the cop and never look back. If they could be black, then they would switch open fire on the bust ass bitches. And Lord knows.
Peace, peace, y'all. MC Pause tapping in real quick. Hope you've enjoyed the show so far. We got a little bit over 20 minutes left. So we're going to keep playing them slaps. Just played that freshly opened Me Against the World vinyl, Tupac. Lord knows, my, one of my favorites on that record. But stay locked in here. We got the final hour coming up at 8 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. Muni Radio. Yeah. Cheer. Joined by Latoy, the Sheriff of Truth. Hi. Oh my God. Oh my God. Back in studio. Oh my God. But together in the same place at the same time. Oh, the sun is out. It's after nice. After the rain. Yeah. It's good in San Francisco right now. Happy holidays. Ho, ho days. We're already at the end of this goddamn year. Yeah. What, somebody, I'm so glad about the rain because the poop, the poop is getting egregious here. It is. Oh, it's it's it terrible. Is, it is um, not okay. You know, they, um, <laughs> and it's going to get worse too because I was watching the news and they just was talking about they just closed down the uh, injection site. Oh. Right there. At, is it? Uh, the safe injection site on O'Farrell. Oh, not on O'Farrell. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's um right at a uh, Civic Center. Okay. Oh, oh, the the place the. Uh, but it's not. It was all... called a transitional center. Or, yes, um... it was a transitional center. They help you with yeah. jobs and right, places. Right, right. And they closed that down. Yeah. And they were giving out water and they had food and they were helping with like eyesight and 
all kinds of things. Shoes, socks. Yeah. Socks, socks, socks. Oh my God. When I see someone with six pairs of socks and it's wet out and I'm just like, you don't have any shoes, but you have six pairs of socks, but they're all wet. That sucks so badly. That's so bad. So I'm not worried about the human poop. What I've been noticing is the dog poop because the rich people aren't picking up their dog poop. Everyone's just letting their dogs shit again because they're like, I think this is their mindset. They're like, okay, I spend a lot of money in this city and there are people pooping on the street. So you know what? I'm pissed about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my dog poop on the street, right? That's what I'm going to do. There's so much dog shit on the street. I've, I'm seeing all types of shit. Mm. Uh, I don't Some of it. You can tell it's dog shit. Some of it, I don't know. Man or beast, man or beast. But I'm just, I am realizing that <clears throat> as expensive as this town is, and I, we say this all the time, it's not worth the money to live here. Nasty. Um, it's unsafe. And when I mean unsafe, <laughs> I'm not just talking about violence or crime. I mean, health-wise, mm. it's not, we're, Pam's mentioning the poop thing. Mm. I mean, it's, man or beast um they're you know the homeless needles on the street needles on the street oh that i was just i see we're on the the same point that is something like because unfortunately why i mentioned the um the transitional place those people are that means now there's going to be even more questionably housed Mm -hmm. and one of some of the stories i heard about the transitional place that helped people couple of the people they interviewed were like yeah this place helped me find a job and this other person was like i finally got housing through this place and then this one other person was talking about how like you know i hate the fact that we're all categorized as like you know people that are you know always getting high and stuff like that when Mm. a lot of us just need a place to live and something simple like that but they lost their lease. It's been a year. And we hate poor people so much. Yes. Uh, that's I've just learned that, that. I think that's why we as Americans have always invested so much in our teeth. And then we didn't have insurance for dental for a while. So the old, that was one of the signs of wealth is if your teeth looked awesome, you were clearly wealthy because it's just outward sign of wealth. We also crazy on status symbols. You see, I saw someone with a Louis Vuitton vest on. And I was like, oh, my God, is that real Louis Vuitton? And it was like the ugly LV thing. And I was like, oh, my God. And just money, money, money. And just don't look poor. Don't look poor. Because once you look poor, people think you're a prostitute. We, it's weird. I get propositioned on the street all the time. We even, and what's even sad is, like, even those, you know, poor, middle class, working class we even some of us even have the audacity to job shame people mm. who have a job. Yeah, like I heard someone job shaming someone because they worked at Cricket. I'm like, well, at least they got a fucking job. Yeah, you know, yeah. gainfully employed. Since, Good for you. Since when do we start? You know, and and the thing is that person that's job shaming him them ain't got a pot to piss in. Mm. And I think we're also all of us are too obsessed with celebrity. And, and and wealth. It's image. I really think it all comes down to image. And Americans don't like poor people. So if you have the image of a poor person, it's a really fine razor line, though, because right now I have some outfits, you know, literally from the 80s. And some girls that are under 25, they're wearing these outfits. But it's like, I'm sort of like 80s retro, like future 80s old but it's all like new expensive stuff and if you wear the exact stuff from the 80s they're like oh gross you're poor so it's this very fine line where between looking super classy and looking like a poser prostitute and unfortunately i'm giving off the vibe of the latter this whole prostitute thing's been going on all year with you i don't understand i don't i've never really heard people before 
like as Are much as this year mistake you mm-hmm. because i think i <laughs> i think that society doesn't understand cisgender women identifying people with power and strength unless they're maybe selling their body i don't know maybe it's that if you're a self-possessed feminist people assume i don't know don't overthink it i i don't i they don't even know that you're a feminist i think it's the fact it's just a good old-fashioned like gross uh male identified like you're you know i think i think she could suck my dick that's the first thing that will come to like a man's head i guess but i think that if they're asking if i'm working they're not they legitimately think i am going to have sex with them for money yeah i'm gonna yeah and so that i'm somehow giving off that vibe which i'm not (laughs) in any shape like it is never in my but and then it i can't take it as like a slight like like they're being misogynistic but then also do they think that they're giving me a compliment i don't i'm i'm confused and i don't like it and i don't understand why i'm interpreted but the way i feel inside and the way i'm interpreted externally are so different i can't even conceptualize how other people see me and then i try to conceptualize how other people see me and that's not a good idea mm-hmm. it's really hard because then i'm thinking about what everyone else thinks about me but then when i actually act like myself i feel like people don't like me so i, I don't know there's always this shame around being authentic but that's all i can be but then i feel like oh my god this is a mental health issue and i should just be like everybody else and get a lobotomy and be excited about oat foam at starbucks like and work there and just be like i think it's an environment i really think i have something to do with this place it really i mean i don't know i i never i've never been in love with san francisco i I like it rather than how i you know say asked me five years ago i could have told you something different but i think it's it's the environment that we live in honestly i loved san francisco until the pandemic end ended when it came when we came back from the pandemic it wasn't that i stopped loving san francisco i feel that san francisco stopped loving me so it's more of like that's the vibe i'm getting from what i because I feel like I've accomplished a lot of things and helped a lot of people and I've put on a bunch of festivals and you know, maybe, maybe they aren't the biggest or the best, but I'm doing something Mm -hmm. like, and to be negated and, and feel and not feel appreciated. It's hard. And then I feel like, Oh my God, I'm such a white woman. This is so like, why am I not appreciated? But then it goes back to like, I didn't have any kids, you know? And I'm sure that mothers feel that way about their children, that they feel taken advantage of and that they give and give and give and they don't get a lot of anything in return. Like how many people with their first Oscar stand up on stage and go, and I want to thank my mom. Like nobody does that anymore. Everybody takes advantage of their mothers. Um, and I've never got to, and I don't even know what I'm talking about. I had no dog in that fight. I have no kids of my own, but you know, this is a, this is a 10 year late abortion on this radio station. If it disappears, <laughs> it was supposed to die. It was supposed to die in 2013. And I said, no, I'm adopting this stupid, ugly baby. 
and <laughs> turn it into a smelly little dirt bag that smells like weed. And and then now it's just going to go, bye. Well, I mean, uh, you can definitely tell, definitely after the pandemic things, I mean, of course things weren't going to stay the same, but they didn't change for the better. Mm. Um, it's It's just like, there's just so much negative energy. So much all around. Like I'm trying to be in the Christmas spirit or the sure, holiday spirit and sure. try to get a little positive, but there's so much going on where I can be distracted and snap back to being a fucking asshole. So easy. And it's again, I think it's the environment. It's not my people I surround myself by because I'm always surrounded by positive people. But there's just these things that are going on. Here's here. an example. I was full of Thanksgiving joy. I was full of turkey and pie, delicious things, and I'd gotten off the BART. I was so happy. Thank you, good Dr. Katie, for the wonderful, incredible family enjoyment. And so I'm in the fucking holiday goddamn spirit, skipping down the street, smiling at people, and I'm at a stop walk, and I smile at a man, and he smiles back, and I said, happy holidays. And then he said, I'll give you $10 to make out with me. Story, true story. So I look back at him and I said, I said, why'd you have to make it gross? Like I was too, I was being nice. And I walked really fast away. But so that's the ex- exact example of what San Francisco is right now. It's like you try to, if I'm walking down the street and I have a smile because I'm, God forbid, thinking about something fucking pleasant, someone will say something gross to me like, oh girl, you got some teeth on you. Or like they'll say something. Rain on your goddamn parade. Well, it's like, can I have a joyful moment without somebody externally commenting on it or saying, like, ew, blah. I didn't ask to be noticed here. Maybe it's just that I'm not, because I specifically ask to be noticed in a certain context, I don't like it when it happens without, without consent. Maybe that's it, is when I stand on stage, I'm giving... I'm giving the audience consent to judge me, to stare at me, to listen to me, to ignore me. But either way, the idea is that you're paying attention to me. <laughs> I, you know, this this also melts into the whole people thinking, assuming that you are some kind of call girl. That's yeah. the same. It's just like, you know, when, when you're actually, how many people just go up to someone and say, happy holidays or happy Thanksgiving, you know, like, I'm sorry. He that smiled part- at me first. And that's and then, and then I was like, and then I was like in the spirit. I was like, all right, hey, happy, happy holidays, man. And then, then that killed and joy. Then, yeah, and then I'll pay you ten dollars to make out with me. Well, and motherfucker, ten dollars? You think I'm worth ten dollars? How poor do you think I am, motherfucker? Like, oh, $10, maybe you can't even get a full bill with ten dollars. Maybe this for a hundred. Honestly, honestly, if you would have, if he would have. For a hundred dollars, I would have, I would have paused for a moment, and then said, "Give me the money first. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have to give him a certs. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look that closely at him. I just, I just, he Breath. wasn't anyone that invites himself to like to say that to me has bad. Well, I'm not gonna but... tongue the guy. Jesus Christ. He would. I guess he said, you. "Make out with me." That's different than kiss. Yeah. Well, but... see, now I'm like evaluating the whole thing, but. There's a context for attention, and 
I don't know. I don't feel like we're at. Okay. And so how about that then? Usually for a while I was looking like this, right? And I wasn't trying to, I mean, I, my colors match or whatever, but this isn't like a sexy Pam put together. I'm not like She's wearing not in like, her cheerleading jacket. Yeah, I'm not wearing hair. like, yeah. so sometimes I put myself together and lately sometimes I've been wearing makeup, whatever. And when I do that, I honestly get more unwanted attention. And I, and I try to empathize and think, they think they're being nice to me because I'm old and they think I don't get attention and that I want it. And I, but I do want attention. I just want it when I'm on stage. I don't think they think you look, because you don't look your age. So I don't, I, I would throw that out of the notion. See, know. and then here we are again. I'm trying to think about what other people are thinking, yeah. which is not, no, who can do that? That's, You're in your head too much with that one. And people say that, and then it's, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm like, I don't know. Is that I think too much? Jesus Christ, did people tell Socrates he thought too much? Hey, Socrates, stop thinking so much, bro. There's a difference between <laughs> thinking and being in your head. Like, meaning, being in your head to me is just like, I'm over, I, I, I'm heightening something that doesn't need to be heightened, or, you know, I'm... Taking just, things too seriously. Yes, yeah. Which will end up driving me crazy, and then also with that, I'm battling the the angel and the demon on me with the insecurity issue mm -hmm. with being all in my head and thinking that oh it's going to turn into a me problem right and i don't want when i'm already trying to work on thyself i don't need that kind of how about this is what i've been trying to do lately i've been trying to only speak when i actually have something meaningful to say that's <laughs> not negative and i've been trying and then what ends up happening is that I just sit there silently and then people think I'm standoffish. <laughs> so it's like, win. I can't win. <laughs> if I quietly sit in the corner and try to look pleasant because I don't want to say anything negative and I don't have anything positive to add that's meaningful and then I just sit there silently, then even with a pleasant, I try and the only thing I can think in my head is just try to look pleasant. And, but then, but then I've heard that it, I look like I'm smug. So it's like, <laughs> if I try to look pleasant, I'm smug. If I, if I frown, I'm a pissy pants in a bad mood. If I get drunk, then I'm this wasted crazy bitch. If I act like myself, then everybody's mad at me later. It's like, I can't win here. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know who to be. I don't know what part to play. And the only one I like is the one where I'm on stage telling jokes. I like that. But then lately, comedians have been telling me that they don't like that and that I'm not funny. But I had two really killer performances on Saturday night. And I felt so comfortable and so wonderful. And the audience really loved me. See, right there, what you just said right there. Yes. It's the most important thing. <sighs> Fuck. You need to stop worrying and trying to please those people who will probably never make it. Who probably ain't that fucking funny. And obviously, they don't have the grace. I don't have to, grace. You, you got a little bit of grace. You got, you got, you got. I'm not just talking on stage either. I'm talking oh about God, in life no as well. Way. I'm like constantly walking the precipice of a emotional breakdown, like severe emotional collapse coming. Well, it's I like, agree with that too. Yeah. But. It is not graceful. This is not a graceful point in my but life. When I'm talking about in a professional manner, that's well, when you're out, when you're doing your job, a paid gig, mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's, I get it done. That's yeah. that's what I'm talking about as yeah. well. So that's why I said you yeah. got some grace in you. When but, I work for Hella Funny, I because they pay me and I perform and the audiences are always good and they respect me and they make me feel like I'm a good comedian. And then I do and then I knock it out of the park every time. But when I get to a show and I feel like these people don't really like me, there's other people on the bill that don't think I'm funny. It's a small crowd. Blah, I mean, all of these things. I love performing. I love it. But I hate I hate performing in front of other comedians because it's just I constantly feel like they don't think I'm funny and I, I can't I just can't deal with it. You need to let those people go. I don't know how to do that because it's... they're around me every day all the time. So that's why I need to go somewhere else. <laughs> like <Try>. seriously, <laughs> there's it's fine. I'm telling you, dude, the promised land of Greece is like I just I it's almost like I'd be retiring, but I'm not. Obviously, I'd be working really hard, like on a bunch of different things. I have my new I, I told you about this, my poetry book I want to work on. Mm -hmm. The land acknowledgement. Um, it's such a white lady thing to do. It's terrible. It's disgustingly <laughs> white lady. But what else can I do except acknowledge that like <clears throat> I don't want to be the person that doesn't acknowledge that all of these things happened. I don't want to just skate on it and be like, Woo, this was all manifest destiny. White people did it. Wahoo! You know, like, well, I deserve every, every single every single privilege I earned. I got it. I'm entitled to those. No, those were, like, fucking gifted. And not even gifted, stolen. It's not a gift. So it was a gift from my parents and maybe from their parents. But 100, 200 years ago, it was stolen. Anyway, so the land acknowledgement book, I mean, and I think, like, once I have distance from San Francisco and California, because I've never lived anywhere outside of California, once I have that distance, I'll be able to create something with perspective, you know? So I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I've never lived outside of California. You know, born in Livermore, moved, we were in Pleasanton for a minute, then Danville, then I was in San Diego, and then up back up in davis i you know i was a camp counselor in santa cruz mountains for a while so i'll count oh, that for the cool. summers um and then uh so at davis i'll count like skiing in lake tahoe because i want to get the donner party in there because that shit's cool <laughs> i did you did you hear all the crazy donner party stories no. did we talk about this no i didn't so the, even know you were a camp counselor i was an ex-camp counselor so oh, yeah. i never knew that oh yeah all right counselor so i so I have all these different dots on the map to be able to explore what indigenous people lived there first. And then the year that I was there, I'm going to write letters to people of that tribe or the Californios were here or the Mexicans or we're going to, we'll, we'll spread around, we'll spread around the white guilt, I think a little bit, <laughs> but it's not necessarily, it's, it's going to be apology letters basically mm -hmm. and gratitude letters and saying things to the people that were there and like acknowledging the fucked up shit that happened. It's going to be a lot of research because I'm going to have to know what the peoples were and the history of the peoples and when we took them over and did they have to go to reservations? Where did we put them? Blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> but the Donner Party stuff is really amazing because there was a, there was a tribe of, of Native Americans that lived up there. In fact, they summered and there's this beach and it's the best when you walk, when you're hiking and you walk by this beach. It's like Native American tribes have been using this beach for summer campouts for thousands of years. And like they used the lake and they'd get all these fish and they'd dry them. But it's basically all summer they just party up there. And that's like right where the Donners fucking died. So it was a big winter and there were like 20 snow drifts and it's just that they didn't know how to survive. 
And the Native Americans tried to help them. So in the beginning, they gave them some dead rabbits and they put them around the camp. And the, the Donner Party like got them and didn't really know or whatever happened. They didn't know then they, food they didn't, well, they got, yeah. they figured it out, I think. But then the Native Americans, right when the big snow started hitting, they tried to offer them a dead deer. They had dressed a deer. They had brought them basically a deer and the Donner Party shot at them, shot at them with guns, shot at them. So they could have been saved. If they, their racism killed them, if they could have been open to see that the Native Americans were bearing gifts and trying to help them through the motherfucking winter. Every but in, time they we get tricked, sh- shot at them. And so then they went back even later to check on the crazy white people and they saw the bones and they saw that they'd been eating each other. And then they were like, they are demons from another dimension. They went back. They prayed to their gods. So they the were Donner, like, wait, go, wait, go back. So the Donners were eating each other cannibalism. Yeah. So the Donner, they, the Donner yeah. party um, was, it was a group of people that left. They went, they left on the, and funny enough, um, Abraham Lincoln was supposed to be in the Donner party and it was a cabinet maker and this other, and Donner was the oldest, so that's why they named it after him. And they left on the last possible day from Missouri. And then they tried to take a shortcut. They tried to take a shortcut and it, and it was an untried shortcut, but the guys lied and said it didn't say, anyways, they bought a shortcut and the people said it was tried and true, but no one had ever done it before. So then they went this long way and all these people, there were all these problems. And then they kicked this one guy out. There was a fight and they were like killing each other. The white people, okay, on the way. Then they get to finally to like the Donner Lake area and it just starts snowing and it's crazy. And it was one of the biggest storms. It was in the uh, winter from 19... 19- 1846 to 1847 and the snows were bigger than they'd ever been ever and since years and years and years many many years and the drifts got very very high and it was it was pretty crazy winter but but they still um they decided to camp there and they couldn't figure out how to find food they couldn't there was a lake right there but they couldn't ice fish they didn't know what they were doing they didn't know what the fuck they were doing so they were like eating their shoes and they (laughs) ate all their animals they ate the hides they were, eating, they were eating like a glue-like paste. They were hiding food from each other. There were three different cabins. Anyways, the Native Americans tried to help them, and they okay. I, shot I at them. This is, okay, so there's the movie that came out about that. I haven't seen the movie yet. I want to see the movie. It actually looks really good, and I have to watch this later tonight. It came out in 09, but Crispin Glover oh my as God. William Forrester. Oh, All right. right. Already it's starting good. Uh, Christian Kane, I don't know who that is. Um, Harry Wayne Moore, I've seen this guy before. And then there's the Mark Boone Jr. guy. He was like on the um, Sons of Anarchy okay, show. Okay, okay. So there's some like cool people. Their faces look familiar, but the story. Crispin Glover is the leading guy, so it's already going to be a shit show. This, the, the, the story is scintillating. This? It is a scintillating story about the last wagon train that they left the they were the last opportunity to leave and it's the hubris of a white man to have no idea what they're doing or where they're going or how to get it done and traveling across and yeah the Donner party and they ate each other and so some of them women and children mostly lived but it's cuz the guys were getting in fights and it was i mean it's it's a dramatic story of a bunch of stupid white people making For a lot of mistakes. Yes, yes, making misery. a lot of make, making All a right. lot of mistakes. Good job. Another <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. 
but they killed the oh my god I, they oh, didn't kill so they didn't kill the Native Americans they shot at them we don't shot know at, excuse me shot at they them. shot at them instead the, of accepting the help and that just proves that the racism of white people can literally kill cause us to cannibalize each other <laughs> <laughs> what a metaphor <laughs> and they say California's not backwards yeah, come on now white on white crime um <laughs> But so the, back to the poetry book, I'm going to write these like letters to all the indigenous people from the eight people of my age group as me like writing back and forth. And they'll be poetic. It's kind of like Ted Hughes when he wrote his um, prize winning book letters to um, fucking Sylvia Plath, his, his birthday letters. He wrote her a, he wrote her a letter on her birthday every year after she killed herself. And then he put them together in a poetry book and made and got Ooh, Ted Hughes anyways capitalized on her death and i'm not going to capitalize on i'll give i promise i'll give money to all the tribes <laughs> if i make any money on this poetry book i will donate it to like reparations in some form or fashion so it seems like we i mean <laughs> it's i i never heard of this story so i'm now going to go into a rabbit hole oh it's hole. so fun it's, it's such a good story typical white yeah <laughs> shit yeah <laughs> yeah typical it it, it, it goes back to when you were telling me this, it, I'm thinking of Columbus and when yeah. he went to the islands and what he did to uh, the people there and, you know, their way of gratitude. He, I, he ended up killing them. You're right, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know. It's a nightmare. So the one guy they kicked out, they kicked out, he went on his own. He made it to Sutter's Fort. He's the one that sent the search parties. He, like, sent multiple search parties to find them because they, they made him leave his family. They exiled him after... There was a fight and he killed a guy and they're like, okay, now you're exiled. And so he went on his own. So he made it on his own to Sutter's Fort. And then he was the one who sent the parties back to find them. And it was just this crazy winter where it was like storming, storming, storming. So this one group of five, the, the group of forlorn hope, they all leave together. I think there were seven and they ended up getting discovered finally, but two of them died and they were huddled underneath. They all they brought was a blanket, and they were going, and they were like huddled underneath a blanket. And when they all thought they were going to die, but the search party found them. They're like, ah, ah. anyways, you'll watch the movie. It's so good. My retelling is it's, it's, far it's, too brief. It, it looks like it takes place around like the gold rush and stuff. It's like eighteen forty six. Yeah, eighteen forty six to eighteen forty seven. Yeah, that's in the heart of the gold rush. Yeah, part. so it's like an eight month journey story, and uh, it's, how did we get on the subject? Oh, because of my poetry book that I'm oh, gonna write. When I have that, distance, that's... when I have distance from San Francisco, from, like from California, um, and then the other, wow. right? Well, because I've always lived, and I want to, I want to have it be like historical, but also like poetic, and I don't think anyone's ever done anything like that before, and also just like a full-on land acknowledgement, like it's like <laughs> saying we we hey we suck over here. Sorry about that. Like. <sighs> I don't know who else is going to... I'm sorry, My Little Poetry Books, but at least someone's saying it. A Californian it. telling uh, some real California history. Right. Because everyone always just talks about the gold rush and mm -hmm. blah, 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 but there's other things of California history. White California history. Well, the, the, the Native Americans that lived here and the skills that they have, like I, like people like Wania um, with uh, Buck, Buckskin Revolution that are teaching indigenous skills to help people with it's like survival skills but also more than survival skills it's how people lived here before we got here before we built these houses before we had these roads this infrastructure this destruction of the planet when we lived in tune with the land around us what did that mean i don't even understand that i can't conceptualize it i would love to and i respect and i think it's like lost knowledge that 
is super important knowledge. Like, how do you live? How do you, how do you live without all of this? (laughs) How do you, you know, like uh, Walden Pond with uh, fucking Thoreau, man, Henry David Thoreau living out there off $26 for a year, building a house out of stuff and fishing and living, you know, living to the marrow it's 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 really important to learn to live or to know part of the land that you're on because i mean all of this all land is all sacred because all there was somebody else before you and then and and beyond and so i i you know even with if you're growing things in your garden is being one with the land or like learning how to hunt Without an AK-47. <laughs> yeah, right. Bow and arrow, okay. man. Fucking yeah. get back. You know, get a I, that's spear. why I appreciate, appreciate hunting. Mm. You know, I, I've never done it. I've, I've only been like done fishing and stuff. But, you know, I appreciate hunters who do hunt that style with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. or what have you. Because it's you're appreciating that thing of, on the land. It's life as well. You know. And I think... Here in America, in part, especially here since we're in the urban jungle, we, we forget all that. Even in suburbia, we forget all that. And then even with you just, you know, going to another place that is completely different and a completely la- different language, complete different alphabet. Yeah. I mean, hello, the alphabet is like, oh, Jesus. But that's, you know... That poetry is going to also marry into that that new chapter and as well. I agree with you that all land is sacred because land is dirt, and uh, you know, dust to dust. We we come from dirt. We go back to dirt. Pe- things are grown in dirt. Dirt is all. We are dirt. It's the whole deal. I eat so dirt. all well, all land is sacred. We do eat dirt because it makes mm-hmm. our things grow and all this stuff. Yep. Like it's all part of one, and we. All land is sacred because every part of that dirt, I'm sure something has died on every bit of everything that exists, right? So that means it's all sacred if we value life. Oh, my gosh. And I think that's the problem. What we see now is what that last thing that you just said right there, value life. Right. There is such a lack of value in life. Like, we see, you know, I don't want to sound like someone's auntie, but... I've noticed the value of our life has just gone downhill because we are so addicted to being on our, some kind of technology, what have you. We don't have a balance, which is very unhealthy. We don't do things in moderation, which is very unhealthy. And then our value, we depreciate our value of life. And we also let others take advantage of depreciating our life. You know, I hear these horrible stories about this 12 year old who killed his mom because (gasps) Uh, she didn't buy him a uh, a three hundred dollar VR. Whoa! Like stuff. I mean, like well, crazy it's like school sh- shootings. That's, that's like that's like no va- value of life. life. That's what when a twelve year old gets an AK forty seven and they have no value of the concept of life. That- when I was twelve, I was like mm-hmm. every baby chicken, like you, like a bird in the sky. I'm like everything. Like oh my god, my heart is so soft to right. everything living. I can't even. I couldn't even. I was crying when we had to dissect that dead frog when I was fourteen. I was bawling. It was so hard just because I just. Like I love life and to see it dead and have I to. I can't see like, an animal. I get I get sad when I see roadkill because I'm yeah. like, oh, even oh. if it's just a, a a squirrel, I'm like, oh man, 
Yeah. That squirrel's live. Oh, it's But when I see be... an alive squirrel, it gives me such rampant joy. Like, I love squirrels. I see them like, I love you, squirrel. This is squirrel. It's squirrel. I, <laughs> I don't mind them. They don't do anything to me, and oh. I appreciate them. But the value, because we're so used to seeing violence, mm. and we're, you know, a lot of us watch it not on t not on tv you guys or uh, a tv show it's just on your social media or it's in your own home for god's sake i mean i've heard mm -hmm. i've seen people arguing in front of their children that is so uh just like not even recognizing that there's a child there exactly and saying things to each other and just throwing such negativity that it's like Wow. And so mm -hmm. if a child, and if that's violence, if that's verbal violence that, that is, is seen yeah. externally, like on the street, imagine what's happening in that home. It's, it's, and that's being processed into that person's right. mind. And then that, and I'm glad you did say that with the parents, because that's also could be a cycle that the parent is repeating sure. as well or, from what they saw. And, and it's so when, on. and all the child learns is when I'm frustrated and I don't get my way, I fight and I yell. Mm -hmm. That's I hurt. The, I hurt. And that's probably not the best way to go no. about things. I see a lot more hurt people on this street. And it, it kind of coincides with like, you know, how you wanted, you just said happy Thanksgiving to someone and then. And then they blew negativity all over Right, me. right. Unless they thought they were trying to be positive because they, they think I'm a sex worker and that's a good deal. <laughs> I, just, that was just negative all around. <laughs> so but true. I was not happy about it. We don't value ourselves and I don't, we definitely don't value others. And it just seems like sometimes it is better to just go back to the land oh and, 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 and touch some dirt. Put me on a Greek island. Oh, uh -huh. Coming soon. Coming know? soon. Yeah. I mean, it's, I enjoyed myself when I was in Portugal. Um, they I, won today, by the way. They beat my beloved Swiss oh, six to one. Wow. It was, it was horrific. It was, it was just the, oh, right, their Portugal. offense. Yeah. And they didn't even play Ronaldo until the last four minutes. Yeah. They, they held, they held him out. They, they said the best they, for last. They, they held him out because he is ego got the best of him. And then the guy they replaced him with got a hat trick and he's 21 years old. Dude. Ramos, dear God, it was it was so sad. I loved Jan Summer, the keeper, and it was they were all impossible goals. He couldn't have. There's only one of them that he maybe could have gotten a hand on, but the rest of them are just out of nowhere. Great, and he had no. His defensemen were doing nothing today. It was it was a completely different Swiss team than we saw in the last game. Dude. It was really upsetting for me. I've been paying attention. <laughs> sorry, guys, we're talking about. I'm uh, sorry, World, World, uh, World Cup. Cup. I'm just... I've been paying attention as well. Did you know that Wales had not been in the World Cup since 1958, and this is the first time. time. Well, I'm really excited for out. England. I hope that England beats France. I'm excited for England, too. I don't <laughs> want France to win two years in a row. Mbappe, no. you know, Underdog. you've done. Underdog. We know you're the best player in the world right now, Mbappe. Just go back to France, eat a croissant. It's going to be fine. Have a baguette, some butter and jam. France has a, two, uh, a killing black people problem, too. So, uh, nah. And I'm Mbappe not... is black, so maybe you could stand up and say something. But France, France, they always They always good. won. They won last time. Yeah. So... And I love the English team because I know all the players on the team because they're all in the Premier League and I watch Premier League. And so it's fun for me to watch because I know the players. Mm -hmm. So I like them. The Swiss were my team. I also love the Netherlands. I love, love, love the Dutch. Um, they got beaten by Spain back in 2012 or 2014. I, I can't remember the year, 2014. That was very sad face. 
Um, so I'd love to see the Dutch do well. Morocco is is a under a super underdog, and they're going to play Portugal. Portugal's probably oh, gonna, that's going to be a good game. When is that game? That is there. The, it's the last. Yeah, I think it's on Sunday. I can't remember. Is Thursday it? is the next one that's big. Okay. So I get tomorrow off, and I'm going to do my laundry. Okay. So then I've been Thursday, watching keep... way too much World Cup. I haven't been getting anything done in my like real life. Like <laughs> I mean, I've been feeding my cats obviously and changing their water, um, and I need to do their litter box. I'm sorry, kitties, but I have not. I have four loads of laundry that are all divided and ready to go. And I just, my excuse is that, oh, I don't have enough quarters. Oh <laughs> and I get it. I have $5 in my back pocket. I'm going to the bank. Portugal I'm getting quarters. Portugal kicked Switzerland's ass. Yeah, it was, it was rough to watch. As a Swiss fan, it was, Six? they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't get anything Six done. Six to one. Six to one. It was really rough. Ooh, is that one of the highest one games of the highest, so far? It's one of the highest scoring games. It, um, no, Brazil beat somebody like, Brazil beat Costa Rica like seven to one or something. Damn, they got wood. But um, <laughs> there haven't in the it's the highest scoring game in a in a quarterfinals that there's I think been since like nineteen fifty something or something. I remember they were just saying something, but I can't remember everything. Anyways, so two of my teams are out now. I was really going for Japan and uh, the Swiss, but two of my teams are still in. So the Netherlands and England. I'm going for England. You know why? Yeah. No, of course. <laughs> and I, I, for me, it's just that I know the players, and and I'd like to see Harry Kane get a get a World Cup trophy because this is gonna be his last year playing. It would be. He's old. It would be nice to go to England for the holidays and then have be celebrating. Yeah. In England with you know with the World Cup victors. Hell yeah. Exactly. You know, because I think the, I think the last time they won was in 1966. Been a while. Some, yeah. It was. This we is the born. year. If it's we, gonna happen, this we is the year. We weren't born yet. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Within the last time they won. So Harry Kane, if he can. Anyways, I'm excited for the English team. I, I think that they're real, real, real contenders. Even though against the, that United States English. England game was <laughs> pathetic. And I did watch that. What a waste of time! I was just getting ready to oh say my some, talk some shit. It was bad. This news. lets you know that they need to invest more money into the USA women's soccer yeah, team. Exactly. We can at least take a world World, world Cup. Cup. Yeah, hell yeah. Invest because that shit. I was watching it, and the yeah. only thing I was thinking about was. And they don't invest into these so, women's soccer teams. This was the crazy thing is I saw that <laughs> I saw that game at Standard Deviant, which is a great brewery downtown. Everybody go check them out on Fifteenth and Mission. Great, great beer. Love Standard Deviant. Anyway, yeah, free free lager. plug for them. But it was the place was packed, and I was kind of going for England, so I was being quiet. Jonathan and I were sitting there, and we're just like, Shh, but um, I couldn't handle it because the whole crowd started chanting. USA, USA, and it felt racist to me. It felt like in the heart of my being, I was like, I cannot chant this. It feels horribly racist. And then in the other game, the game that they lost, um, they the people were chanting, this is the worst. It's called soccer. It's <laughs> called soccer. And I'm like, the hubris of you? American motherfuckers. Are you fucking kidding me? It's called soccer, Chance. It's called soccer. <laughs> it's so awful. They were doing it in Qatar, too. They were chanting behind the behind the uh, the commentators. And they had signs that they had big signs that said, it's the called arrogance. soccer. The arrogance. The arrogance. Yeah, I know. The it's rest of the world, the England does, the UK does call it uh, soccer sometimes. But... The rest of the world says football. football. F U hyphen T B O. That's in Espanol. Football. Football. 
Not soccer. Not soccer. See, this is see, and we're the one why, little this country. This is another reason why you leave in two. That's why exactly the air. Another, another like, poss- possible, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of the arrogance and the because I would have felt the same way in that room if I heard a bunch of white people and others call saying USA. I'm like, is there like a is there a rally? Where's the there, Trump rally? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's the where's where, I'm we like, storm in the Capitol? Is what this are we the doing? mob? This is the yeah, is this January sixth. Oh Jeez, my god, it's not all over again. <laughs> And then it's called Ooh. soccer. Mm. Y'all, that's know, tacky. I know, I know. That's ignorant. Ta- exactly. It's ignorant. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's no. I agree. I was really put off by it. I was like, we're just, it just makes us look bad. But when I go, I mean, whenever yeah. I go, if I leave, when I leave, and I, whenever anybody asks where I'm from, I will just say San Francisco. <laughs> just like, I'm yeah. not going to say, I might say, California because don't just say because well those are the only I mean I can claim I can legitimately claim California as a birthright in that I've never paid rent I've never lived outside of California you've always paid your taxes to always paid I've never paid anything but state taxes I've always had Wells Fargo (laughs) this is my first bank um all of it I'm super Californian and so I feel like when I'm an international traveler that I will claim California, and I will not say. I don't ever say I'm America. I always say, you know, I'm from Chicago, or I'm mm-hmm. from, you know, California. Yeah. And, but people get excited about Cal- oh California because they think Hollywood and shit like right, that. Right. You know, they think Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So that's where the conversation opens, and at least Chicago is a place where people, oh Chicago, oh you know, yeah. people are familiar with, you know, sure. St. Louis. I don't think, yeah. But anyway, but. Yeah, I don't ever say. I've heard other Americans say, "Oh, I'm from America." I'm like that's so uh, vague. I don't know this person. In <laughs> I was so embarrassed in 2003 when I was in Amsterdam, and I was with a group of people, and and we wouldn't say anything. And when people would mistake us for Canadians, <laughs> we'd go, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eh, we're Canadians, eh." eh? Mon- yeah. Mon- Mon- Montreal, eh? It's, yeah. Uh, like, parlez-vous français? Montreal, eh? <laughs> like, no, but we just wouldn't correct them. If, if they, some people would say, oh, clearly you're Australian. Like, Mate, <laughs> put another shrimp on the barbie. Let's just hang out and smoke pot in Amsterdam. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't going to claim... George Bush. I just, I, yeah. George Dubs as my own. No way. Mm-mm. I, but when I do open, when do people find out that I am from the States? And sometimes I'll say, I have said I'm from the States, but um, dialogue opens, especially when it gets political, which oh. I love. I love it. Oh. It's happened so many times, even this past time when I was in Portugal, dialogue and. And, and and the beautiful thing is what was going on in Portugal when I was there was the um, the election of the president in Brazil. Okay. So, because they, you know, Portugal, Brazil, they, you know. You know, they speak uh, Portuguese in it, Brazil. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know. Little, uh, tiny but, country, lots of ships in the 1600s. <laughs> all the way to the 1880s. <laughs> but... Everyone was paying attention to that. And so after when Lula won, you know, I we start, there was more political conversations about the states. And I'm just like, 
going I'm I'm listening to the news in Portuguese and trying to follow it. Sure. And then looking at the new American news on my phone, I'm just like, oh, hope. But I don't think at least Bolsonaro, which is Trump, their version of Trump, he's out, but he's trying to play like you know. Oh, this is it was a, it was they stole it from me. Exactly. Did the, you know the they Trump do that? Pod. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I, you know, earlier you said that you were worried about 45 possibly running becoming, again, or, or becoming president again. Becoming 47. I don't think he will. This, I, I love this new, optimism that you have. This, this, this blind optimism. This is beautiful. There's a new racist in town, and his name is Ron DeSatan in Florida, the governor. And he wants to run for president? They're going to push him. So they want to have a bigger racist for president. Yeah. So then people a will vote. A racist that is not too um, uh, chaotic. See, but that's why people will if vote for Trump, because he's, a, he's like a hidden racist still. Well, for DeSantis, DeSantis is the one that, they want to put in as the running or as the runner for the Republican Party because they can at least polish to Satan and he's not too <laughs> erratic huh. like Trump. Trump is just erratic. And so they're, you know, though they're still sucking his mushroom dick, um, since he's lost 2018, 2020, 2022, the Republicans are getting kind of fed up with him and they're looking at the Satan. But the problem with the Satan, and we've talked about him many times on the show is him being the governor. Uh, he is the governor of Florida that put out that don't say gay in schools and it's going through in Florida. Oh, he's no. that guy. No. So, but the thing is he's not on social media being erratic. And so, right. which the Republicans like. So, cause he's quietly being That's a racist and a homophobe. Part. He's just a quiet, quiet, the quiet, the quiet yeah. part. Oh, well, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And like I said, gay marriage is next. And if the Satan gets in, then, you know, that's exactly the first thing that's going to happen that's is that I'm they're going to repeal. <laughs> and but didn't Trump of. just said he wants to abolish the Constitution. Constitution. <laughs> and you couldn't even get anybody in the Republican Party see, to denounce him for saying so. That. But here's the thing of why I see that. Some people could get behind the idea of denouncing the Constitution because the Constitution, a lot of us say, especially on the Democratic side and the socialist side and the POC side, that it's a super racist piece of legislation. When it was originally written, the whole three fifths thing is so gross and all of the stuff with the landowners and it was all white men. And I get it. And so I could see people I could see people backing Trump. POC and females backing him for saying let's create a new piece of legislation that isn't racist but i think the problem is the people in charge are inherently still racist and they want to make it worse than it was before they'll take out all the rights and privileges that exist in the constitution if you build another one then what safety do we possibly have and they've already changed everything with like the all that stuff about them having all of our texts and all of the stuff that 9-11 did and they, they've been watching us and they have all of, you know, all that stuff. What's it called? The Are you talking about, um, um, oh, they've taken away, well, they've, yeah, they've taken away all our civil liberties in so many ways. And yet, if you take away the Constitution, once you remove free speech, we're all fucked. If we make a new Constitution, who, who do we trust to ratify? What, what the, fu no. But I can see some people siding and saying tear it all down and rebuild it yeah and those and that's what's sad is 
I, you know, I can't even deny what you're saying because people don't do their own homework about the people that they're voting for or mm -hmm. some of these candidates. And so with that, I can, I don't, I can't disagree with you completely at all because when people see new eye candy, they're like, oh, what's this? Instead of doing your homework about how this person votes and how, you know, what laws and what are they about, they just see this shiny new object that talks. And it's just like, he talks right. I, I'm a vote for him. Like, yeah. right now we have the Georgia runoff. Do not vote for Herschel Walker, please. For the love of God, that man is such a sellout. <laughs> um, the runoff between Warnock and Walker, will f hopefully we'll find out by today. I'll be up. Listening. Is this a recount since this is back a recount. from, yep. but from November and we're yes. finally, we're in December and it's getting done. Yeah, this, okay. is, this is the day. Wow. This is the day. So we will find out if we have Warnock uh, or Hershey sellout Walker. <laughs> Such a sellout. But, you know, it's, what can hopefully, any of hopefully by this time you probably won't have to worry about 2020 i don't know what here's the thing though is that we in if san francisco has gotten this unfeeling toward people because i'm talking about the homeless people that are cold on the street this is like the last bastion of sort of like art and love and joy and beauty and being weird and it seems like that's gone like enough rich people moved in and now it's $17 hamburgers with no fries <laughs> and children stealing toilet paper from the Walgreens. Like that's what, and there's poop on this. And then, and then no one can get healthcare. It's no hard tents. and you've got tents and it's raining. No one has shoes. And you know, I don't want to go back to the $17 hamburger, but like there's a bunch of them. <laughs> You can't, I mean, anyway, San Francisco's going to hell in a handbasket. And as much as I love a good bonfire because <laughs> s'mores are my favorite and I love to roast marshmallows, it's too expensive to watch. Like I'm burning my own money in the pile mm. to stay here and, and like deal with the aftermath. I know San Francisco has given me the skills that I can go be happy pretty much anywhere. I've got enough education from this place I've gotten enough experience from running this place. I've I've gotten a lot of things out of Stanford. I've become a stand-up comedian. I have a huge script. Oh, that's the second book I can write. Oh my God, I would write, if I had time and a little bit of distance and I wrote the poetry book first, I could write a fictionalized memoir of my 11 years in San Francisco. I'll be like, in an 11 year undercover study, <laughs> deeply embedded. You know, like I'm this journalist that did an 11 year undercover study as a comedian. Anyways, I would write like a tell all fictionalized memoir. I'm not going to do any of one of those like millions of pieces. It was real. I was really in jail. And then <laughs> and then Oprah's like, this is the book of the year. They were really in jail. And then you find out they were never in jail. jail. And they're like. <laughs> Well, it was a fictionalized memoir. And it's like, Oprah just started a genre. It's called fictionalized memoir. It's true, but it's not. You don't know what's true, what's not. Basically, the only true thing is that it's my name. And then the, and then every, some things are true. Like, I'll probably keep all the places real, but I'll change all of the names.
I like the idea of the, you know, the great screenplay that you probably will be making. Oh, screenplay. I've already written all the screenplays. I'm just going to give those to Nikos. He already read one of them. He read Dottie and Brie, and he's like, this is really good. I can give him voices. I have so many. I have like eight screenplays that are written right now, and they're just sitting there. And they're all different lengths, too. Some of them are like 50 minutes. They're all, some of them are like Netflix. Anyways, I've got a lot of that stuff written. But the fictionalized memoir would just be, I wouldn't even mean it to be a movie. I'd want it to be a book. Because it's, I mean, comedy is, the only people who do comedy are really damaged, hurt people. And it's people who were like, who were ostracized as children, who were beaten, who were abused, who saw horrible things. This is what comics are, seriously. There has to be some kind of trauma that gives you the impetus to be like, I'm going to stand up in front of people with nothing except myself and my words and in, I'm going to make them laugh. That's an insane thing to think that you can do. And the only place that can come from is like extreme trauma. Or maybe someone's life was so perfect and awesome. Maybe that's the other way. It's, it's either extreme. But you would think that so many misfits could all sort of like band together. But I think that what they do is they band together in these little tiny enclaves, these little, these little groups, there's little cliques. And so then it's just like high school again. It's just a bunch of hurt, damaged, confused people that are all trying to be creative and they're all vying for the same stage time and space and acknowledgement and it just gets ugly and toxic and gross. It does. And then sometimes you're on the outside and sometimes you're on the inside and some people like you sometimes and then sometimes they like you and then they don't like you. (laughs) And then it's like, what did I do? Why don't you like me anymore? What did I do? I didn't do anything different. I've been doing the same thing the whole time. And then, you know, it's so, oh my God, when people don't come to your open mic, it's like, whoa, wow, they don't even want my free stage time. Everybody hates me right now. What did I do? Right. So all that stuff, it's just a very, but I mean, and I, maybe I even would write it from the perspective of a 14 year old. It honestly feels like the cheerleading thing again. It feels like I'm a cheerleader. Like I know I'm on the squad. There are eight cheerleaders on the squad and I know that I'm one of them. And at the end of every game, I go, where's the party? And they all go, there isn't a party. And then on Monday, everyone's talking about the party. Mm. That's what mm-hmm. I feel like. That's what, I had a dream last night that I was at a comedy show and everybody was talking about where they were going next and they weren't telling me. And they were trying to keep it secret though. And I was like, I looked at one person, I don't remember who it was in my dream, but I was like, it's okay. I get it. You guys don't want me to be there. Like keeping it a secret I makes it that, even worse. That was that was gross. I remember you talked about that. At me. But that's a dream. I mean, well, that's a dream oh, I just I had thought, last but, night. But didn't that? But didn't that happen months ago? Oh, it happens all the time. Uh, all the time. That's just that's so rude. It's just people. But that's the thing is, it's not it's not rude. It's that people don't want me around, and I get it. I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. I get that, and sometimes and because I get it. When I, when I hide in the corner and try to be normal, people think I'm standoffish. When I'm myself and I have a personality, people think I'm a stage time hog. I'm a hog that I'm, that I'm, that I'm t- talking too much. If I, it's like, I'm, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. If I drink too much and I'm actually comfortable, I have to hope that everybody else drinks so they won't remember anything. You have to go. That was your alarm. It's 3.05. Thank you for the free therapy. <laughs> Um, anyways, we'll see what happens. It's two weeks from two today. Weeks, so ugh. today, I think that I think the meeting is at one fifty-five. is when I hear the news. Okay. And so I find out, you know, my fate. And then I either have 
to clean this place up so fast, so fast. Um, or, or I have to clean, may actually clean it up. <laughs> um, yeah. Either way, there's either way, gonna be some kind of clean. There's going to be some kind of cleaning being done either way. But, you know, it, honestly, I promise you this. If I get the money, I will not complain ever again about how I am disliked in the comedy scene. It doesn't matter. I do what I do for the comedy scene because I do it for Mutiny Radio, mm-hmm. for myself, and for the city of San Francisco. That'll be my, I'm being paid. I'll be paid by the city of San Francisco to provide stage time for comics. I can handle that. I can be cool with that. I can be like, I have a purpose. I feel valued. I feel acknowledged. And I don't need it from the comics because I'm getting it from the city. Bing. I like that. I like that too. Because it makes me a boss. Yeah. It makes me, I'm the fucking boss. And then, and then there. Yay! 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 I like that note. And then, and then next year when we do the festival, we'll have the, I'll time it right so that everything will be perfect and we'll be super ready for Phoenix Day. Because we've already done it once, so it'll be so easy this year. And then this year I'd actually have money for promotions because I'd have money from the grant. So it'll be like, we just did a dry run. Now it's going to be great. And you know what we're going to do? We're not going to involve people in San Francisco. Only the people who get involved in San Francisco are the hosts. And I pay them because they're professionals. And everyone else is from out of town. And all the people in San Francisco, and they'll be like, why am I not on this show? And I'll be like, because you're a piece of shit. No, I won't say that. I won't say that. I won't say she, that. No, she'll just I say, you're just say. not good enough. No. no I'm kidding. I'm I'm a, oh, my God. I can't ever turn into my mother. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Jeff of Truth. I'll see you soon. Yay. This is the Found Round Sound Show, in which we're featuring the music from the films of John Hughes. So if you please, please, please listen to the rest of this show, you will dig it.
by the window Staring out at the night You see your lover leaning Against the old tree light But don't worry baby It's gonna be alright He was tossing and turning And he couldn't sleep He said he shouldn't bother Boston. 
Somebody sins, but not mine. 
Before 